0: church family. Welcome to the house of the Lord and welcome to those who are visiting with us today and even those who are joining us online. We thank God for the opportunity to, to worship him. I am aware that several of our number are not feeling well. But the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love and mercy, uh, and we pray that he extends his touch upon those who are facing challenges of any kind. Uh, yeah. We're continuing with the book of Acts. We're continuing with the book of Acts. We are in chapter 14 of Acts. But you know that chapter 13 of the book of Acts forms a great watershed. There is a big shift that happens in the whole story that is unfolding in the book of Acts. It is a shift from the person of Peter to the person of Paul. It is a shift from the Judean ministry to the worldwide ministry. It is a shift away from Jerusalem to the town of Antioch in uh, Syria and then expanding to the world. In chapter 13 we saw how God spoke to the church at Antioch as the church was ministering to one another and God said set apart for me. The two men who would go and minister and we know that when they left they ended up being three because when they left Jerusalem end of chapter 12 they went along with John Mark and so they left with Mark. Sailing to the island of Cyprus they landed on the small town of Salamis and then from Salamis they went to Paphos where they had a great encounter Uh, with the Roman official, with the governor who received the word but before he received the word there was opposition or just to say that their ministry was being frustrated by someone whose name was Bar Jesus. Then they left to go on with their ministry Uh, stopping over at Pega, and then they proceeded to Antioch, Pisidia. And there at Antioch, they had a great ministry following their same pattern of preaching the word, going into the synagogue first, making sure the Jews hear the word first, and if they deny, they go to the Gentiles. And so they faced some resistance. And then they left to go to Iconium and Iconium despite facing some difficulties and challenges they continued to minister until their life was endangered. That's when they fled. What we learned last week was that like Paul and Barnabas we must never quit We must not back down in the face of overt opposition. Paul and Barnabas got thrown out in chapter 13. In chapter 14, verse 6, they had to flee for their lives in Iconium. However, no matter the difficulty, they kept pursuing the call of God upon their lives as they continued, the devil did not give up also. The devil also persisted. Today we see the devil now using a different tactic than he tried before. Previously he was causing the Jews who were unbelieving to come and stir the people or poison the people's minds. And having seen that they have failed, he now comes with a different approach. If he can't get these men to quit through persecution, he will now try to undermine their power by giving them celebrity status, appealing to something in us that is called ego, appealing to something in us called pride. He does this knowing that God himself will resist the proud. So if they can only become proud, he will not need to resist them. For God himself will resist what they are doing. This he does. But having failed in this beat, he moved from enthroning them to stoning them. That is the story we see in Acts chapter 14, verse 8 to verse 20. The setting is in Lystra, which is a Roman, uh, in the Roman province of Galatia, about 18 miles west of Iconium. Uh, You will know that in post-missionary activities, he visited this city, Three times on every single one of the missionary journeys. Today, as we are looking at his first missionary journey, but if you go to look to Acts chapter 16, verse 1 to verse 5, he passes through uh, this same city. And then even in chapter 18, verse 23, that is when he was now on his third missionary journey. Unlike in Pisidia, Antioch, and Iconium, where Paul and Barnabas were threatened with stoning, in Lystra, they are initially worshipped as gods. This is Paul's first but eventful visit to this pagan city of Lystra. He heals the cripple, and the crowd believes that they are gods. The pagan priests there prepares to offer them sacrifices. But the two Christian missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, are horrified by this and this reaction does not make them do good. And so they tried their best as we had the reading of scripture. They tried their best to stop it. Explaining that they were mere Men, and that this is the reason why they are preaching the gospel to make people live this worthless way of life vanity he calls it that they should worship the living God before long however antagonistic Jews from their previous stops arrive and they convince the locals to stone Paul. I said the title of our message today is What is your response? What is your response? I observe four responses out of our story. The first response is hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. Verse 8 to verse 10. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. He said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. What a miracle is happening here. We take note that both Peter and Paul healed the men who were crippled. Because in Acts chapter 3, in Acts chapter 3, we have the account of the men at the beautiful gate. Now, a man in Paul's audience, as Paul is preaching now there in Lystra, had a threefold condition. He was lame. But he had been in this condition for three, for the rest of his life. And he had never walked. That speaks of a real tragedy on his part. He had never walked. But as he is sitting there and listening, he is engaged in what is happening. He was very deliberate even in his worship. He listened to Paul preaching and teaching and having faith to be healed. Paul recognized his engagement and interest, and he even interrupted his sermon. Now, we preachers uh, have a very difficult job because as you are preaching, sometimes uh, these days masks uh, mask a lot. Uh, But but what happens is you can tell someone is engaging with you. You can tell someone is going to sleep. You can tell someone is really getting it. You can tell someone it's a fog before them. And as Paul is preaching, there are all these intelligent, wonderful, well-to-do people. They are not getting it. But there is this crippled man who has the threefold problem, and he is engaging. Paul could even see that he had faith to be healed And he shouted, be healed. Be healed. A miracle occurred. The healing miracle was according to the measure of the man's faith. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 tells us, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Oh yes, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 reminds us that without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Paul could see this one has faith. He is hearing the word of God. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. You see, hearing the word of God creates faith. If you do not hear the word of God, there will be no faith that is created. So the word of God must be preached. But here is the sad news. Even when the word of God is being preached, some will not hear it. This is why Jesus taught even the In the parable of the sower which we read in our court worship that we must be careful how we hear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says. Oh yes, some people will go to church and the Bible is being expounded and preached. Or they are busy admiring the beard of the preacher. Or they are busy doing this. They are busy seeing the shoes. They are busy. Hear the word. Hear the word. Hear the word. Hear the word. Consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. What is your response when the word of God is being preached? Do you engage with it? or you are busy flipping with this, you are flipping with this. While others are getting saved, while others are getting their miracles, while others are getting their healing, while others are getting their breakthroughs, you say, what are they talking about? Hear the word. Hear the word. I like his response. We'll talk a little bit more about it even as we go further. But let's go to the second response. I said there are four responses. Seeing the miracle, but not hearing the word. (laughs) Seeing the miracle, but not hearing the word. Verse 11 to 13. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, They lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus whose temple was at the entrance of the city brought oxen and gallons to the gates And wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Wow. Something is happening here. Something is happening here. Please take note. Paul had just been preaching a powerful message which got interrupted by the healing of this. And that of this man and that miracle caused other things to happen. The important man had heard and received enough faith from it to be healed. Because everyone in the crowd was seeing and not believing. They did not receive the word as this man did. The crowd saw the miracle, but they did not hear the word. So they even reverted to their native tongue and began to interpret this miracle mysteriously, superstitiously. You see, in Greek superstitions and mythology, Jupiter, or Zeus, Jupiter if you are reading in the King James Version, Zeus was the king of the gods, while Mercury or Hermes was the god of speech or the messenger of the gods. So when they saw the miracle having happened and Paul being the one who was speaking, they said, oh the one who is Watching the speaker must be Zeus. And the speaker is Hermes. Because these Listerians had a local tradition uh, that said Zeus and Hermes had once come to their region in human form and had been entertained unawares by an elderly couple convinced that it was happening again, they identified Barnabas as Jupiter and Paul as Mercury. Since they have made this interpretation, the priest of Zeus began to say wow, I can't miss the opportunity. I have the greatest privilege now to get the honor of my God. By offering them sacrifices in person. So he ran, he took the oxen and all that was needed for the sacrifice and he brings them. They connected the dots but in a wrong way. They connected the dots but in a wrong way. This is why miracles do not necessarily bring people to the Lord because sometimes when these miracles have happened, instead of seeing God at work in this, we begin to connect our own dots capitalizing on what they had in their history, in their traditions, in their custom, in their folk tales and whatever they used to be taught. Now they are interpreting and making a whole story. And sometimes our local stories and our local legends and those things that are said to be happening around us. They prevent us from hearing the word of God because we quickly put dots and making them wrong. You know, if you believe that there are demons in every tree, if you are walking, you cut all the trees in your yard because you want to chase out demons. If you believe that uh, if someone has walked through the graveyard you carry the spirits of the dead, you will run when no one is chasing you because you are connecting wrong dots. That's what they were (laughs) not doing. Oh, Zeus and uh, Hermes used to they visited and a couple entertained them unawares Today they are here. I am telling you they are here. Come all of you come and see. They are here. The priest says I'm going to offer some sacrifices. Wrong connection. You see. People who see the miracle without hearing the word. Become idolaters. People who see the miracle without hearing the word become idolaters. This is why every miracle has to be checked against scripture. Don't go for the miracle for the sake of the miracle when it is a violation of the word of God. Miracles are happening because the magicians of Egypt used to do the same. The magicians of our time, they still do the same. Don't say it's God. Of course, when you meet them, they will say, well, where do you think the powers I have, I get from? I also get them from God, not our God not our God. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed to have eyes opened to see the hand of God working publicly a miracle. However, it can be a curse if glory isn't given to whom it is due. You are truly blessed when you make sure that the correct person gets the glory. While God had performed a miracle through Barnabas and Paul, they mistook them for gods, And they were now worshipping. Unfortunately, even we preachers, we will tell you In some obscure interpretation of the Bible to say you are a little God but you know what we'll be wanting to do when we begin to interpret the Bible that way we want to then later tell you that but I'm the bigger God here The worship of men rather than God speaks to the depravity of human beings, of mankind. Romans chapter 1 verse 22 to 23 reminds us, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds and animals, reptiles and serpents. That is the depravity of human beings. We would rather worship the creature rather than worship God. So, oh God whom I cannot touch, God whom I cannot control, God whom I cannot carry, so you make a graven image. or you may not make a graven image, but God whom I am not feeling, he is around me, so I have amulets in my wrist or even in my waist. Eh, You are seeing the miracle, but not hearing the word. So they still go to church. But when they are facing some challenges, they still go to some sangoma somewhere under a bush to consult and find out why things are like this. You say, you know what? You never know. These things they need to really find. When you find, where do they lead you? To God. Never lead you away from God started way back and continues today. This is why I like those words by John Calvin. The human mind is, so to speak, a perpetual fog of idols. A perpetual fog of idols. In other words, every time we lose sight of the gospel, It is because we have taken our eyes off from Jesus and placed them on an idol. That idol might be a person, that idol might be an icon, that idol might be a way of doing things, that idol might be things. And hence we need to keep hearing the word of God and bringing us back to the focus where we are looking to Jesus. And him alone. So we saw hearing and believing, but we saw seeing the miracle but not hearing the word of God. But here's another response which I now like. Hey, ascribing greatness to the Lord. There's a song that says, ascribe greatness to our God the rock. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. Ascribe greatness to our God the rock. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice Good and upright is He He, he, he. A God of faithfulness and without injustice Good and upright is He They ascribed greatness to the Lord. Verse 14 to 19, but when the apostles Barnabas and Saul and Paul heard of this, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the peoples to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. When you read verse 14, saying when the, when the Apostles learned this, remember when these people were now worshipping and bringing all the sacrifices, they were speaking in their own native language. So the apostles only came to realize ah, what is happening here is not praise of God when the offerings were now coming. That's when they rushed and said stop what you are doing. We are also men of like nature. Like all of you. This thing that has been done among you is only by God. You cannot worship us. Hey, I wish my brothers and my sisters and my bishops and my apostles and my man of God would understand what Paul and Barnabas were going through because these days we like so much to be worshipped. We like so much to be adored. We like so much to receive the praise, the accolades, the the glory. But that glory belongs only to God. Touch not his glory. Touch not his glory. They tried to stop the sacrifices, insisting that they are only human beings. Paul tried to straighten their mistaken theology by sharing the gospel, in fact emphasizing God's mercy and providence. Notice that this crowd was Gentile, because this crowd was Gentile, Paul did not go into the Old Testament like he did when he was in the synagogues where the people understood the Old Testament. So how does he begin his message? He begins by speaking of God in nurture. He says, "Look, He is the one who is merciful. He is the one who provides, He gives us rain, He gives us fruitful provisions. This God is the one we are preaching to you, that you should turn away from the worthless practices you are doing. You see, as pagans, these people believed in many gods, but Paul is convincing them that there is only one true God. These people did not understand that there is only one true God. But as Paul was speaking, in his eloquence of speech, so to say, convinced them all the more that this was a God speaking. That's why it became a real difficult thing to just to stop these people. And the more he speaks, they say, oh, ho, ho. But you see, crowds are also fickle. Quickly, we hear those from Antioch and Iconium. They are following... And suddenly the crowd is turned from sacrifice to stoning. The ones whom they were crowning, now they are stoning. Why? Because the Jews of Antioch and Iconium arrived and led the people in this beat. One minute Paul was a god to be worshipped, the next minute He was a criminal to be slain. Don't mind his being slain. But watch how they responded. Because if they had accepted that they were the gods, they would not have been stoned again. (laughs) They would not have been stoned. If they had just accepted the worship, they would have been showered with the flowers and uh, reeds of honor and what, what, and many animals would have come. It would have been a great feast, but they refused. And when these Jews come and arrive, okay, they refused and then they poisoned the people's minds and said, okay, regardless of the miracles that they had done, they must be stoned. Would you refuse the honor for stoning? Would you refuse the worship for stoning? Yes, because worship never belongs to us. Worship belongs to God. He is the one who is to be worshipped. How easy would it have been to accept this worship and try to use the honor as the basis for teaching the people maybe the truth. Huh? You say, let's, let's take advantage of this worship and then we will teach them the truth. They will soon know the truth. Yeah? Let's just accept the worship and later on then we will persuade them slowly. You do not die. That's not how God uses people. And that's not what the true servants of God will do. Like Paul and Barnabas, let us be quick to deflect any and all praise to the living God who made the heavens and the earth. The phrase, we also are men, makes it very clear that We are not God. Hello? No matter how much we act or how much others treat us as though we are. As misguided persons tried to offer sacrifice to false God, Paul and Barnabas said, we also are men. Dispelling any notion That they were responsible for the healing that God had performed. They dispelled the notion that we are responsible. It is God who healed. No wonder in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 it specifically states you shall have no other gods before me. Included in that no other is our own selfish desires, our own selfish need to be praised, our own desire to be put on a pedestal. When we are elevated by others, even unwillingly, we are in the danger of being thought of Too highly. But when we truly understand who God really is, we will find it easy to admit we also are men. We also are men. We must remember that we also are men and give credit to the Almighty God as our only God who deserves our worship. The final response is that of the disciples. I like that. It looks insignificant, but it's very important. Prayerfully supporting God's servants. In verse 20, but when the disciples gathered around him, about him, He rose up and entered the city and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Debe or to Debe depending on how you pronounce words. Although they were a minority group the new believers in Lystra stood by Paul. They did not worship Him, they stood by him. In a crisis moment, even with their leader stoned, their future really looked bleak here. Yet they joined hearts and hands and prayed together. I don't, I'm trying to imagine the statement that they gathered around. Perhaps they were even holding hands and praying. Remember, this guy had been dragged out supposing he is dead. I know theologians would like to say perhaps this is when Paul died and he then went to the seventh heaven and all the like. But there's no scriptural support for that kind of interpretation. There's no support for that. Uh, God protected him. They, they, They stoned him and thought he was dead. And God's people came around and they prayed with him. They encouraged one another, let us just go around Brother Paul. Perhaps they would have even just ignored him and said, if we go there, we too will be stoned. But they went there, gathered around him and prayed. And he was raised. He woke up. What does he do? They go into the city. They did not run away. The next day they moved on. Oh, you will be amazed to see what happened when they went to Debed. They started doing exactly the preaching of the word of God. Do you join hearts and hands and pray? For those whom God has sent on the mission field, for those whom God has put their hands on the plow, do they feel alone in the cold or you come around them even in the moment of feeling like fainting? Do you come around and encourage them so that their spirits are awakened and they move on with the gospel? You know, the stoning of Paul in Lystra actually brought glory to God, eventually leading to Timothy coming to associate with him for the mission journey. So the hostile crowd stoned Paul, but God delivered him from the ordeal. They went for a brief time into the city And even that brief time, it was a successful ministry. I'm trying, I'm thinking this was the first experience now of Paul seeing the fulfillment of of Acts 9 verse 16 when God said I must show you how much you must suffer for me. In the future, Paul will be beaten, he will be whipped, he will be shipwrecked, he will be imprisoned if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 to 18. All of these things are yet to come. Eventually, he will be martyred. This day, however, there was still more work for him to do. And God used the supporting prayerful encouragement of the believers in the church at Lystra. Perhaps that church was still in formation, but there were others who had just believed the gospel together with the men who had just been healed. They were of great support. Hello, God's people. What is your response? Do you Hear and believe. Or you hear and wonder. Do you hear the word of God and engage that it becomes part of your faith? We hear God's word. So that it energizes us to be strong in our faith. So we can face the challenges out there in the world. It, is, it should never happen that when the child of God has heard the word of God. And the moment they are coming out of church, they fall into sin. The word of God, we hear it so that it builds our faith and we confront the challenges that we have throughout the week. Do we see miracles without hearing the word? Remember, people who only see miracles without hearing the word become idolaters. They will worship idols. Do we ascribe greatness to God when he has done his work? Do we give glory to God? Do we take credit for what God is doing? We must repent of that. Do we prayerfully support one another? Do we prayerfully support those in ministry? Do we come alongside them when they are feeling like giving up when they are feeling like they will not even go forward, do we come along? Praise the Lord. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing your word. There are many things that I said in preaching today, but I'm praying that you guard your word, that we hear, that my brothers and sisters have heard the word of God and that that word will create faith now and even in the days to come. Let that word create faith. We pray that we will check every supernatural, every miracle. We will check every extraordinary things that we meet in life. We check them against your word. And where we know it is you at work, we will give you all the praise and the honor. And that we will support one another. So we give you thanks. We give you honor. Even today as we will gather as a church family to simply reflect on your work among us, we pray that we will give glory and honor to you. But we also pray that some of us may be challenged concerning our responses. Let the word we hear every day create faith. Faith that will cause us to engage in the work you have called us to do. So we give you all the honor and the glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.